Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast. Tony Kerr here, back from Birmingham and ready to look back at an amazing week for Team Guernsey with Gareth Prevo. Hi, Tony. And Jamie Ingram. Hey, Tony. You guys have been following it from back here in sunny Guernsey. Um, yeah, I've been slogging it out on the road. <laughs> oh, yeah, my heart bleeds for you, Tony. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, look, the real hardship being uh, being trackside for Alan Chalmers winning a bronze medal. Yeah, yeah. it hasn't been too tough. Yeah, I, I've been thinking all week. Like, I don't really know what I've done to deserve it because... You know, the likes of David, Harry and, and others who've been sort of following Team Guernsey around and, and sort of involved in the Commonwealth Games um, for years and years and years and hadn't seen a medal and I sort of pitched up in Manchester City too. So, um, yeah, got away with it a bit there. <laughs> well, yes, considering the history was against you on that one, I think, um, yeah, you might as well retire now because it's not, I don't know if it's going to get any better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, we sort of had... You know, there was an inkling. We were talking about medal hopes before, but then, I don't know, it was one of those things. It's almost like the opposite of a, um, of like a major football tournament with England where you, people seem to get more positive the closer you sort of get to the tournament thinking, oh, you know, England could do it. Um, was with this, actually, like sort of a few months ago, I think there was a thought that, you know, here we go, we could be, you know, this could be our games. But then the closer we got, actually, you sort of start to think, oh, you know, the weight of history is... It's sort of too strong, and actually, it, it, you know, are people in good form? You know, has it has it arrived at the wrong time? All that kind of stuff. So, in a way, it sort of took everyone by surprise. I think. Well, yeah, it's just it's just the the elevation of the stage they're on, isn't it? Really, I mean, we, we've made ourselves look quite good in our sports department for the rest of the office because we were being asked if we had any medal hopes and. We obviously sort of thought Allah, if he produces as, as well as we know he can, he would have a chance. And and I also did mention to our editor, well, Lucy Beer has been a world champion before, so she must be sort of like in with a chance but it all depends on sort of how she adapts to the to the greens around there and obviously I mean those were the two medals but we also sort of mentioned the fact that Sam Caldwell is a professional now so he's getting towards that level um, but yeah you, you don't know how people are going to adapt to that level and also you don't well you know that the opposition are going to be world class so are we able to compete on that stage I mean we've shown in previous Commonwealth Games we can compete on that stage but to get in the top three of your chosen sort of category or sport or whatever is one hell of a step up, which is why it, it, it takes so long to sort of let these medals come around. We've only ever won uh, now eight medals in Commonwealth Games. Uh, to say two came along in the space of a few days last week, it was just, it was just tremendous, really. Well, let's look back at Saturday night first. Um, Ala Chalmers at the Alexander Stadium. Um, you know, having seen him get through the heats, in sort of, well, as far as he's concerned, you know, fairly sort of pedestrian fashion, you know, as the fastest qualifier, not, you know, not performing the sort of times we've seen earlier in the year. And speaking to him afterwards, it became kind of, kind of clear uh, why um, he said he'd had COVID since the World Championships in Oregon. He'd been laid up in bed for a week, hadn't done any training. So clearly wasn't, um, you know, in absolute prime condition going into the games in Birmingham. But, and it, you know, maybe a, a bit of a sort of quirk of fate or a, a you know massive stroke of luck. The fact that there was just heats into a final for the 400 hurdles for the men and a four-day gap between them, um, which by all accounts is pretty unheard of. That um, you know, if he'd had to race in a semi-final as well, that that maybe he wouldn't have had enough in the tank, um, or certainly wouldn't have had enough in the tank uh, for that, perhaps, or even if he'd got through um, to produce what he did in the final itself. But yeah, having f had four days rest, he lined up uh, in the stadium and he just. It was one of those moments you just know with Allah, having seen him in the past, he just produces when it really matters. And he, he, he just seems to find that little extra bit. Um, I'll talk about what it was like there in a moment. But for you guys watching at home, did you get that sense? Um, I certainly got the sense that um, 
he was going to run better in the final <laughs> than, than the heats. So, I mean, like you say, Tony, I, we weren't aware of the, the COVID issue before his heats. And it was sort of like, it was a bit of a, um, not, I don't want to say let down now because, because we know that, but his heats were sort of like, oh, that wasn't quite what we were expecting. We find out why and you think, great, like you say, he hasn't got semi-finals, so he's got that four days to recover. Um, watching it on TV, the final, it's one of those things, because you've got a Guernseyman involved, my eyes were always trained on Allah. And I didn't really take much notice of what was going on out in front. I was just watching him, making sure he didn't clip hurdles, and he just looked in decent rhythm to me. And it sort of like got round to the sort of like coming out the final bend. And you're looking, thinking, he's going well. He's, he's probably got a bit more to give here. And the, the three guys sort of like ahead of him, you could tell they were battling out so much that something could go wrong or they were, one of them was perhaps going to run out of steam. So that last sort of like 50 metres, it seemed to last a long time to me. It was one of those, you're sort of watching it thinking, he could get there, he could get there. And of course, he, he gets into bronze. And it was at the time, I was just absolutely delighted for him and sort of for the island as well. It's only after I saw the replay, of, of sort of like a little while later, how close he came to silver as well, actually. It, yeah. it was sort of such a good run and so well paced that he was, he was very close to being even higher on the podium. It was just, uh, yeah... It was, like you say, it was, a, it was great that it was a Saturday night at sort of quarter to nine. And, I mean, I was sort of ready with, the, with Twitter to put it on our Twitter feed. And within sort of like two minutes of putting it on our Twitter feed, the, the reaction to it, you just think, Blimey, the whole island was watching this. <laughs> and, it was, and literally the next day I, was, I had to go to um, Lancrest Golf Club to do the presentation there. And people wanted to speak about Allah. They didn't want to speak about golf, which is very unusual when you walk into a golf club. They wanted to speak about Allah and his tremendous performance. And it was just, it was just fantastic to be able to watch that. And um, yeah, the, the sudden surprise of seeing the first person to greet him was, um, was the added bonus for us. <laughs> some, some bloke I recognised all of a sudden giving him a hug at the end of the home straight. Yeah, I did. When I look back at the clip afterwards, I did wonder whether people might have thought I was his dad or his, <laughs> or, or his, yeah, his uncle who's let himself go a bit or... <laughs> <laughs> or his coach, I don't know. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was an unbelievable moment. It really was. And like sat where I was because the yeah the sort of mix zone where and, and the sort of media area was kind of almost right by the finish line and, and and overlooking it. And I'd spent a bit of time there over the course of the week, but yeah, I'd sort of wandered around the stadium a bit, and there'd always been a few empty seats down in that little corner. And I thought actually this is quite a nice spot to sit. You know, get a good shot of the um, of the the guys running over the you know crossing the line earlier in the week, and yeah, just for for, for a few a couple of sessions, I just I sat down there a bit, and all the athletes were coming past there, you know, and we'd seen uh, Laura Muir come through, and and the the Ugandan who won the um, the five thousand meters men, you know, the celebrations down there were wild, and so I thought actually, you know, I'm just gonna just in case, just in case he gets um, yeah, he pinches that medal, I'm just gonna stay down here. And yeah, there he was, came straight over. And I, I have to say, I think there were a few people around me who thought I was, I've gone a little <laughs> bit mad. I was <laughs> shouting quite loudly, <laughs> hopping about um, down there. Uh, yeah, and he sort of collapsed. And, but, but I sort of realized that all, all the friends and family and the, you know, the, the rest of the Guernsey team were quite a long way away. I was like, well, I can't let him just... Uh, you know, I can't let him just sort of stand there on his own for a moment. So I thought, I'd better get in. And, and he wasn't exactly looking for you. I must admit, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> at least you did help him sort of bide his time while his family made their way down the stairs. Exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, just and then just kind of madness really in that moment. Uh, you know, you could just on his face, it was just so clear that that one he sort of didn't really know what was happening or what he'd just achieved. And actually, sort of thinking back afterwards, that. Just in that those sort of twenty or thirty seconds where he was getting mobbed by you know Tom Drews and Cameron and um, Joe Chadwick and um, and those guys that it actually sort of crystallised in his head 
his expression changed from like basically almost in tears to to kind of suddenly then the kind of the, the performer came out again and it was so funny he was like shouting to the crowd like you did this you <laughs> made this happen and then he was like then he was back on in front of the home straight saying like thank you he was just shouting to it. he's just he is he is actually blockbuster and you know if, if he can um if he can produce those kind of moments you know, perhaps over the next few years in, in a GB vest, then, you know, he could be actually a, a sort of pretty big name in, in British athletics because he's, he's a phenomenal character. Um, yeah, Jamie, what, what was it like for you watching home? Obviously, you're, you know, big athletics fan and, you know, you're kind of right plugged into it. What was your reaction as you crossed the line? Absolutely unbelievable, as you've said. Um, well, to be fair, I had great faith in Allah. I knew what an athlete he is. Everyone knew what an athlete he is. Uh, but... I had to admit, a bit of pessimism had crept in. <laughs> uh, watching his heat, knowing he didn't look as sharp as you'd expect him to be, and then hearing he had COVID beforehand. Um, I have to admit, a little bit of doubt came in, but I have to admit, seeing that final, I was completely wrong. Um, I I actually had quite a lot of faith from the middle stage of that final. Uh, he looked strong. He was very composed looked a lot sharper than he did in the heats. And you see these three athletes break onto the home straights. Uh, the Kenyan who eventually placed fourth behind Allah, he did seem to be faltering a little bit. You saw he, he crashed into one of the hurdles, which is a bit of a foreshadow to what eventually happened. You know Allah's a strong finisher. And sure enough, the moment he'd started closing the gap, I was like, yeah, he's got this. <laughs> and to see him nearly take second, that was a bit of a surprise admittedly yeah another 20 yards of track and yeah he would have been he was motoring I mean he didn't like he didn't stop did he, he just carried on after it, it won it his mouth was as wide open as you'd, you'd see any mouth before um yeah it was funny actually where, yeah where I was sitting you couldn't you know you can't really tell what's going on in the home straight but just as they're coming around the top bend I looked turned turned around and looked onto the big screen and you could see that the three guys in front all jumped together and Allah was maybe I don't know you know half a beat behind them but then as soon as the sort of next hurdle, it was like he was on, he was onto it, and the, yeah, as you say, the Kenyan had, had faltered. Um, well, let's just hear what Allah had to say to me um, after things had settled down slightly. He'd done um, the rest of the the big BBC Sport um, big wigs uh, earlier up in the, the mix zone. Uh, eventually, got to me, and uh, yeah, it's what he told me. Honestly, I still can't really believe it. Um, it's just a dream come true. I mean, I thought into the, this competition I could get a medal. Um, having COVID last week didn't really help. Um, but look, we're here, we've got the medal secured in the locker, so it's got to live in the moment and enjoy it, because honestly, like, 30,000 people in this stadium, hearing that roar down the home stretch, I'll never forget. So, uh, no, it's amazing. You are pretty much in rap piece down there, just a whole of the Guernsey team, the coaches and everything down there, just trying to sum up what it felt to be in that moment, if you can... It was so beautiful having my family and team here. It's something even more special than just being around the world somewhere, so to have that as a home games, uh, and to put Guernsey on the map, it's just my dream. So, yeah, it's great. <laughs> you were a little way behind going on that top end, but you came to the steam train as you often do. Yeah, I knew uh, I knew they went out pretty hard. Around the top end, I just stayed, stayed composed and believed in myself. Uh, I knew one of them was probably going to fade, so I just dug deep and I could still see it in my head. <laughs> With 20 minutes to go, looking across, and he was behind me. So, yeah, crazy. This is an unbelievable atmosphere here. It has been a week, but what was that like? Yeah, I can't even explain. It was just like this like a siren just in my head just go 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 the support was unreal so to have that here in Burma is just extra special yeah emotional uh, moment then just take us back to this morning though the, the back of, you know how you've been feeling this week you know the time in the uh, the heat obviously 
COVID and stuff. I mean, what were you thinking when you woke up this morning? I woke up, I felt the best I have in the last week or two or three. Uh, so yeah, I knew I had a good chance, but to come and actually do it was something else. So I've got the medal and now I can just go home, chill and just live a bit. Uh, Alan there speaking to me after winning uh, that bronze medal. And it, there's no doubt about it. He was the talk of the, the town that night. Um, you know, watching on TV, obviously the reaction was huge from, from the pundits and the BBC presenters, from the commentators. Standing outside afterwards uh, as I came back down from the, um, the media tribunes, kind of bumped into sort of team charmers um, who were sort of uh, just yeah, hanging out at the bottom of the stairs. And everyone was stopping and saying, you know, well done, Alan. You know, that was an amazing moment of the night, you know, you made the session for us. Uh, yeah, it was quite incredible. And then, yeah, I, I didn't quite see Michael Johnson, but he was there having a selfie with, with Alan. Ask him where Guernsey is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was what I, I, when I was sort of just tweeting the fact that Michael Johnson asked where Guernsey is, I, was, I almost started saying, I'm glad it wasn't a Jersey medalist because he would have sort of known where Jersey is because of New Jersey. But um, no, it, it, was, it was great. On the primetime slot on BBC on Saturday night, um, you've got Michael Johnson talking about Guernsey. You've got Gabby Logan saying her highlight of the whole night was Alla Chalmers winning a bronze for Guernsey. Um, and, you know, you just don't get that publicity without um, without having a star, basically. And Alla, is, he's got a star quality about him. And, and he proved it with his run. It was, just, uh, it was just a really, really great moment just to be able to see it live on national television or live in the stadium in your case, Tony. Um, yeah, and you know, fingers crossed. Well, you sort of get the impression with Allah that that certainly won't be the first and only time. Well, absolutely. And while he was getting all those selfies um, outside the stadium, I grabbed his dad for a quick chat. Chris, who's obviously been there sort of every step of the way, and not just watching, running around the track with yeah. with him and Cam down at Foots Lane, and um, you know, obviously a very proud dad, a very proud family there. Um, here's what he had to say. Just trying to explain what that was like tonight. Well, I mean. His mum, Leslie, she's always very, very nervous, but I was actually pretty confident because we could see from what people had done in the heats that Jaheel Hyde and McMaster were going to be probably gold and silver in certain order. But I knew, I, I really believed Allah could do it. And, um, and, well, after the week he's had, it was just amazing that he, that everything worked out because he's been quite ill. Um, and he put in a performance like that because we know he's strong at the end and uh, it needed a little bit of luck with uh, people hitting hurdles and people getting disqualified but um, yeah, fantastic. I'm so pleased for him. He, he's, he's delighted. What were the emotions like just at the end there? I mean, did it hit you hard? Um, I, I think I'm a bit more level-headed. <laughs> uh, I think everyone else was crying uh, quite a lot um, but I, I, I sort of believe that when we knew from the spring how fast Alla was running and we knew he was going to run really, you know, when he ran in Ordigam and ran 48.8, we knew, you know, this is what he can do and he can go faster. So um, it's just a matter of him staying healthy and he can, he can do even better. So, yeah, he's, well, he's only 22. So, I, you know, I believe he's got Paris Olympics and probably maybe another one or two after that. So he's could have a really good hurdling career. Oh, fantastic. And obviously Guernsey's first, well, first ever athletics, I was going to say first track medal, first ever athletics medal. Um, just, it's, it's hugely significant. It'll be, a, you know, it's massive for back home. And obviously, you're, you know, you're heavily involved in the club as well and you're, you're around it all the time. I mean, just, yeah, kind of sum up how much it will mean, I think, to, to the sport in Guernsey. Uh, I think, yeah, already having 
the boys are boys as as role models. We we you know we've seen that the kids really look up to them, and um, yeah, this is a step further, isn't it? So uh, yeah, it'll be fascinating to see if it ups the numbers and. Um, it, wouldn't it be brilliant if we can get others um, performing and coming through to a high level of athletics? Be brilliant. Alan's dad, Chris, they're speaking to me. Very high standards, obviously. Uh, yeah, thinks his son can go even further, which I'm, sh I'm sure we all do. Um, a bit in the paper as well that he, he thinks, you know, this is just almost the beginning for him, even though he's won three British titles, I guess, and he's already, you know, represented Great Britain at World Championships. But um, yeah, what an unbelievable moment. Um, just for you guys... Can we put it in, in a sort of rank in terms of sort of modern Guernsey sporting moments? I don't, we don't, I don't want to sort of overshadow Lucy's silver medal because that was phenomenal. We'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. But sort of athletics is the beating heart of, of all of these sort of major games, isn't it? And so to, to produce that on the track, it must be right up there. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it's... I don't like doing rankings because it's hard to sort of differentiate between sort of eras and what have you. But... Um, the the thing you can say about Alice run on Saturday because of when it was and because of um, the achievement and what have you is it is going to last in the memory for a long long time and um, it's just it's just great that um, so it even it even surprised me how many people saw it to be honest I mean Guernsey gets behind its sporting community a lot and it does so really well but you know just to to have someone who over the space of 49 seconds can have that impact um, which is going to last for not a few days not a few weeks but probably years it's just phenomenal and um, it's just uh, like his dad Chris says hopefully the, the two Chalmers boys will encourage their performances will encourage more and more people to get involved in, in any sport but I mean obviously in this case athletics but um, it's just great to be able to see that that can be achieved, you know, hard work and um, just dedication and just a willingness to do it. It's just, uh, we'll get you there. I think the thing with Allah's performance on Saturday night is that it genuinely made history. Like, it's not the fastest 400 metre hurdles he's ever done. And when you look at his run in Belgium, when he did his personal best over a second faster, that will resonate a lot. But in terms of something which actually resonates with the Guernsey community, really inspires people and potentially brings them into the sport, <laughs> makes them, them, them want to achieve high. Yeah, I... In terms of local athletics, it's right up there on top. Um, and hopefully we can see him go on to compete at the Olympics, and which are only two years away. But yeah, obviously he's made his mark not only on Guernsey, but on, on a lot of figures high up in athletics. Just seeing how Michael Johnson wanted a selfie with him, <laughs> that says everything. Um, yeah, and I've got no doubt at all, in two years' time, he... <laughs> He should cruise onto that Olympic team and just continue building on what is already a very, very impressive career. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's one of those moments, isn't it, as well, that kind of shows that times are times are great. And, you know, if you can write your, your name into a, to a record book, you know, that's fantastic. But those times can always be beaten, whereas, you know, that moment can sort of never be taken away. Um, from from Alan Chalmers and, and you know and his friends and family and Guernsey for that matter, as you say, it was um, yeah, it's, it's had an enormous impact. Um, we'll come back in a bit just to some of the other athletic performances of the week, but I want to move on to Sunday because with about I don't know twenty minutes to go in the cycling road race in Warwick, I think we were all starting to get a little bit greedy. Um, a third medal looked sort of well on its way um, from Sam Carverwell. In the end, it didn't quite didn't quite happen. Um, his kind of valiant breakaway with one of the other English riders was reeled in with just a couple of kilometres to go um, and Sam eventually um, finished in ninth but I have to say I've been thinking about 
his ride, I couldn't stop thinking about it yesterday. It, it was just so astonishing in its own way and, 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 and quite cruel that it wasn't kind of rewarded with a medal in the end. You guys watching it back here, so in fact, you probably would have got a sort of better sense of, of how it was developing out on the course. So I was trying to follow it on my phone a bit and you're sort of waiting for the, the riders to come, to come round. David Harry, the chairman of the Guernsey Commonwealth Games Association, who's from a cycling background, was in the media centre sort of having kittens, I think, <laughs> watching, uh, watching the conclusion. Um, but yeah, you know, you talk about publicity for Guernsey. You know, he was on the front for, for quite a while. And, and Chris Boardman, you know, a sort of legend of the sport, sort of, you know, he seemed to think it, the, the sort of medal was on and, um, and, and was incredibly impressed with what he was watching. Yeah, it was, um, I mean, we all know, or certainly within our department, we, we know how talented Sam is. Certainly physically, he's, he's proven himself to be sort of like um, an outstanding cyclist, even at a young age. It was just the maturity of his performance that sort of astounded me. I, I, he knew what he had to do to in order to be in con- contention for a medal, and he just sort of pulled it off so so um, well and just so maturely. It was, uh, I mean, it was quite a typical sort of road race how it panned out. You almost you need a team really to to be competitive in a road race. Um, and I don't mean any disrespect to the rest of the Guernsey team; they they all did very well. But Sam knew it was basically him with this breakaway and how he best handle it. And he, like you say, Tony, with with five kilometres to go, you're thinking he could do this. It was always that nagging doubt because of the way other people can organise themselves and how a group can organise themselves to chase down a breakaway that you thought it might still be, um, he still might be caught. But just the whole um, ride he gave was just absolutely incredible. And, I mean, a top ten finish at the Commonwealth Games, you cannot sniff at that. That is absolutely brilliant. And, yeah, I mean, 24 seconds off, off a, a sprint winner. So th- that shows how good his performance was, I think. Yeah, and when you consider the field as well, um, I know a couple of the big names had dropped out um, for various reasons on the morning, but Garant Thomas was right there for Wales, a Tour de France winner. You know, he was in world-class company and actually he was kind of right on the wheel of Garant Thomas for, for quite a chunk of it in that, that sort of group of, or leading group of 16 for most of the race before the breakaway. Uh, Jamie, what did you make of what you saw? <laughs> Just, just incredible. Like I was actually glued to their screen, not just for their finish, which is obviously exhilarating, and I genuinely felt he had a shot. But just the entire build-up to that moment, it just made for some really impressive racing. Yeah, I mean, I've always enjoyed watching the road races at the Olympics, and they're normally quite early on in the Olympics. It's quite a sort of it's a, it's a sort of big event to get your sort of teeth into early on. It's an amazing, it's an amazing sport in general. But those sort of one day kind of one-off road races are just so absorbing early on you've got the sort of the big group together and I honestly I don't know how they get around you know it's quite a tight course I don't know how they get around more or less in sort of one piece I know there's you know a few dropping off the back quite early on but you know that's incredible in its own way but then the way that the story develops over the course of of the three and a half hours um that that just not only are they going kind of full gas the whole way you know the physical exertion of it is unbelievable but it's the it's literally constant concentration as well in terms of like watching out for what you know, what else is going on in your group? You know, are you going to follow this attack? Are you not? Are you, I, it's an amazing exertion, a kind of full body, full mental exertion. And sort of speaking to Sam afterwards, you know, he was like, he, he just, I mean, he was gutted. He was happy. He was gutted. It was the, the whole thing was going on. Uh, well, let's hear what he had to say, actually, because, uh, yeah, I caught up with him um, sort of 10, 10 or 15 minutes after he came over the line. Um, a complete range of emotion. I mean, I'm super happy with that ride after the disappointment in the time trial. I came out here today 
and showed myself really well. I was one of the strongest riders in that group, outnumbered, and I really took it on. But at the same time, a bit gutted because whilst ninth was amazing, on that on, with a until 2k to go with me and Miss Ingram, I got caught. I was in the I was in the mix for the win. But he just wouldn't work with me because he had teammates behind him. That was such a shame. Could have got a medal, could have got first or second. But you have to be winning to lose it to win it. And so I gave him the best shot and uh, yeah, really happy with how I showed myself today. Well, that situation's really tricky. Um, so he attacked through like the laney part. So I went, I managed to get across to him, which was really hard. I had to get across on my own. Once the gap had gone, as no one reacted. Um, when I got when I got to him, I literally need, if I if we had one other rider come with me. We would have got there quicker, the pair of us would have worked, one, two, three, we would have made it. But because it was just me and him and he wouldn't work with the teammates behind, it just meant that, uh, yeah, it just meant that it was always going to be an apple struggle from there. Um, I was trying to coax him into working by um, saying he's literally going to like win or come second if he helps me, but unfortunately he, uh, he didn't want to, um, but I had no choice then. had to just go full gas, because if it stuck, I got a medal, and if it didn't, well, I would have been too gassed anyway after being in that move if I got caught, so I just had to commit everything in. Unfortunately, it wasn't quite enough today, but I had the odds stacked against me. Yeah, it's a really a huge ride, I think. I'm really happy with that. I love these one-day races. They really suit my style. So, uh, yeah, I was really love being able to get out there and show everyone what I'm capable of today and pull off a pretty good result with, like, as I said, with the odds stacked against me, there was three English guys, two South Africans, two Scottish guys. Like, I was one of the only guys on my own in there, and um, it made for a really tough race. But uh, hopefully, um, hopefully, that goes somewhere and help me get me a team for next year. Oh, it was just incredible! Like the crowds were, crowds were unreal. Like we went through like the busier parts, and everyone just roaring you on. It's just amazing. Um, there's nothing quite like it, especially when you see like the Guernsey flag draped over barriers and someone's screaming you on like by name, like the Guernsey person. It's um, yeah, it's really special. And I just want to say. Hats off to all the lads in my team. They were they were incredible today. At the start, it was super fast, super hard. Like that first lap, we did 50k an hour. Um, so I just want to say a massive um, thank you to those boys because uh, if I wasn't in any moves at the start, they were. They were in them to make sure we were represented. I didn't have to do it all myself, um, and that helped me save the legs and get into that um, get into that move. So uh, massive uh, thanks to the boys. Yeah, Sam, speaking to me there. Um, yeah, kind of. In a way, yeah, we've won two medals. I kind of feel like I'm putting that, it's almost a third medal. It was almost on a par, I think, in terms of a performance. It just didn't quite get rewarded with the, uh, with the podium place. Yeah, I think, um, just sort of on Sam, I think the one disappointment I had for most of the games was not actually being able to see most of his time trial run because by all accounts, that was absolutely brilliant as well. I mean, he had some mechanical issues which meant he had to go for it and um, yeah, giving kittens to some of the people in his team car, apparently. <laughs> yeah. I'd have loved to have actually been, been able to see some of that. Um, because uh, having sort of watched Sam at Ireland Games level, I, I know he doesn't leave anything behind, so he'll always have a go for for anything. And um, yeah, his, his road race performance was, like you say, Tony, it, it didn't uh, result in a medal, but it was outstanding. Yeah, I was at the time trial. I got to the end of the time trial and Sam was still on the road. And w when he came in and the guys who'd been in the car, the sort of support car with him, just kind of, they, they got back to the Guernsey team sort of set up, just sort of shaking their heads, going like, I just can't believe what that guy does um they yeah the, the speed he was with with which he was taking the corners that you know apparently the kind of crowds lining either side were sort of wincing every time he every time he went around a corner um yeah an incredible week for him and and the guernsey team as a whole um and you know it's come at a big moment for him because in terms of his career um he's at a bit of a juncture isn't he he's been with trinity racing and under 23 development team but now he's looking for somewhere to sort of base himself for the next season 
Yeah, and I'm really hoping that ride will have turned a few heads because that has to be at least at the very least up there, but I think it's potentially his career best performance. It's tricky because he's still only 21, but he's quite old for his school year. So unfortunately, that, that is the end of his time as an under-23 cyclist. He's still got uh, the Tour of Britain at the end of the season and other focus, as is no doubt. Uh, hopefully he can come off the back of that performance strongly, make his mark and... I mean, I'd love to see him on a world tour team. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I think Gareth used the word maturity there. I mean, you know, for, for a young rider, he's obviously gathered some great experience in the last couple of years, but he looked like he belonged alongside the, the kind of senior stars in that field. So, um, yeah, fingers crossed things work out for him um, for next season and he finds uh, a good spot um, uh, to carry on his professional career. Well, after that road race, um, I caught up with a couple of the people who've been responsible for just making sure kind of Team Guernsey sort of ticked along nicely at Birmingham 2022. The, the general team managers, Peter Jory and Karina Jackson, two athletes who've seen a lot of Commonwealth action um, in their time as athletes, uh, but now in different roles, um, kind of bumped into them all around the games over the course of the week uh, cheering on Guernsey, but also making sure um, all of the athletes are in the right place at the right time. Lots of paperwork as well, drug testing, um, kind of a lot of admin to get through over the course of the week. But uh, I grabbed them for a quick chat just to find out um, what they'd made of their experience in Birmingham 2022 and what they'd made of how Team Guernsey had gone. I think it's been an absolutely incredible week or nine days of, of competition. Guernsey have been incredible. We've, um, you know, we've two medals through through the time um everybody's had a great time other sports have been helping out other sports today at the cycling we've got badminton and the medics helping out um atmosphere's great and uh we've we've seen some amazing performances across all of our sports yeah pretty unforgettable week as you say with the two medals for you peter just gives a sense of of how much that's kind of lit up this week as a you know someone who's been around island sport for quite a while oh it's raised everybody's game um, seeing people do well, you know, it just spurs everybody else on. Um, it's the momentum that Guernsey Sport needs and it's just going to help right throughout the whole of the spectrum. Not last night, last night was uh, a moment uh, that I'll never forget. Uh, watching him come round and uh, think to myself, he's got, he's, he's got to do it. And he, yeah, he really did. It was absolutely fantastic. Is it important, do you think, to the kind of Commonwealth Games, I suppose, movement, if you like, in the island, that having not won a medal for 20 years, actually just to get that reward for the effort and the hard work that goes into it might kind of make sure this thing goes on a little longer? Absolutely. Uh, last night, um, because where we're based in Warwick, we couldn't get to the stadium, but where, where we were last night, um, the Norfolk Islands, Cayman Islands, everybody was shouting for Guernsey for in, in, in the 400 metre hurdles. Um, and the atmosphere was just incredible, absolutely incredible. And what's it been like for you guys as, as team managers, kind of herding cats, I suppose? Uh, yeah, it's been brilliant. Um, I was an athlete the last two games and Peter's been an athlete at how many games? I don't know. <laughs> five, five, last five games. So, yeah, it's been quite a change doing uh, management <laughs> this time. time that both of us have been on the management roles and I think we both of us thoroughly enjoyed it. Easier to be uh, an athlete or a manager? <laughs> the silence says it all really well I mean what, what is the job they have their challenges and both have their rewards so <laughs> yeah what's the job sort of involved this week for you guys because I've bumped into you you know every sport you've been there helping out I mean what what is a sort of general team manager do well the general team manager is in charge of basically making sure everybody's where they need to be uh, with the equipment they've got and uh, uh, everything's in place so if they've got any problems um, anything goes wrong then we're here to sort it out to make sure that they are left alone and can concentrate on competing 
There's, a, there's also a massive amount of paperwork, uh, you know, keeping up to date with the athlete whereabouts for the anti-doping. Um, there's been a huge amount of travel changes, especially with, with the COVID restrictions that we initially had of not being able to come in uh, prior to five days before the event and leave within 48 hours afterwards. That has been um, lessened off a bit, so we've been able to um, move people's travel around. There's been a lot of admin, but it's been great, absolutely superb. Because the games have been quite spread out, but I've loved going to the different venues and, you know, particularly for the cycling, for example, like Wolverhampton, the atmosphere was amazing here today in Warwick. It's been incredible too. I mean, for you guys as, as games veterans, if you like now, as you say, in a different role, uh, uh, what's your assessment of the kind of the feel of these games? And I suppose as a, as a home competition as well, it's extra special. Yeah, I think I mean, it's been great. A lot of people have said how great it is having the, the, the separate um, villages um, administratively for a small small um, CGA it's quite difficult to get from place to place where you need to be but between having the three managers we've, we've been able to do that quite well whether that happens in Australia I'm not so sure across uh, <laughs> hundreds of hundreds of kilometers but uh, I'm sure we'll be fine yeah there's gonna be a lot of space to traverse over there uh, yeah Peter for you what have you made of kind of Birmingham as the host city or the I suppose the West Midlands really is well yeah it's the West Midlands I mean really and truthfully it's a miracle I mean uh, yeah the, the time scale they had to put this games on you know initially it's eight years this one was four, and then two of those years have been heavily disrupted with COVID. So the fact that we're here at all is, is just uh, wonderful because it could have easily been cancelled. In terms of the you know, the way the local communities embraced it, I mean, as I say, you've seen a lot of different sports, but the, the volunteers have been amazing. The crowds have been incredible. I mean, like particularly, you know, somewhere like the athletics, every day, morning and night, um, absolute packed stands. Yeah, the volunteers, they really have been special here. I mean, uh, um, people have volunteered from all walks of life and uh, uh, their enthusiasm for it is just unwaning and um, something that uh, is quite exceptional. They've all been absolutely superb, you know, you know, we've become friends with, with quite a lot of them. Um, everybody's been so helpful. And as Peter said, you know, people have actually travelled from all around the world to volunteer for this, this Games, you know, and they're camping in campsites to be able to come and help and it's just amazing. You going to do it again in four years, team managers? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> I'd always like to think I might have a chance of competing again, but we'll we'll play that one out. Yeah, fantastic. Well, best of luck and uh, well done for your efforts this week. What a week it's been. Oh, it's been amazing. Thank you very much for all your efforts. You've been great. Indeed, yes, thank you. Guernsey's team managers there, Peter Jory and Karina Jackson. Peter, hopeful there might be shooting back on the agenda in four years' time. Um, we'll see how that pans out. But he's <laughs> we had a bit of a joke afterwards because he's, uh, he's now a college um, shooting coach and he's saying actually he's, he's probably coaching them a little bit too well because he, he might find it hard to get in a team in four years' time the way some of our young shooters are going. Well, certainly the way some of the Bisley results came through. I know that there's some of the, the up-and-coming shooters are certainly challenging the Jury brothers now who have been sort of like so, so good for us on the international stage over many years. So... Um, yeah, I think Peter's got so much knowledge and experience in shooting that uh, I, I imagine uh, our next uh, generation of shooters sh should be um, very capable indeed. When we talked about sort of you know, our medal hates before, actually shooting is you know, one, of the, one of the sports where you know, we've traditionally done very well at and, and you'd go into a game thinking, oh, well, you know, we've got a chance here and obviously not on the, um, not on the schedule for Birmingham. So actually to have, uh, yeah, to have come away with two medals and shooting not be there, given our history, is quite remarkable. Another person I wanted to mention uh, kind of off the field um, at these games is Ben Foote, um, the Guernsey table tennis official, uh, who some people might have spotted if they're watching the men's gold medal match on the final day of competition, was in the chair for that one, uh, which was quite fantastic to see. And he actually got a name check from the umpires because yeah, on match point, there was a, an accusation of a, a ball hitting a shirt. 
um, um, and yeah, it was eventually played as a let. So, uh, so a big moment for him to finish his games over at the table tennis. But uh, yeah, good. I mean, you know, I think with Ben, um, so he's a blue badge umpire, which is which puts which is a level of qualification which very few people in the world have. It's just he is genuinely one of the best at what he does internationally. But he's such a humble guy, and he never really gets much credit for it. I don't feel. So I feel he's sort of an unsung hero, and I think it's amazing that he goes to this sort, these sort of events. And yeah, I'd love to see him get more praise for it. Yeah, well, there we go. Well done, Ben. Um, yeah, great to see. Uh, and he wasn't the only one, was he, in terms of sort of officials and stuff. Gary Collins was there at the bowls in his world bowls capacity. So um, yeah, just nice to see some of our officials uh, making their presence felt at the uh, the top level of international sport. Um, Right, I just want to have a quick whip through uh, the rest of the sports um, that we've been uh, enjoying over the last week. Uh, just get some reaction from you guys and um, just, just have a quick chat about them. Um, let's start with the bowls then, because obviously that was the, the historic moment earlier in the week. Lucy Beer winning silver uh, in the women's singles. I'm so close to gold as well there. Uh, yeah, what was it like watching that one back here? I still cannot believe how Lucy found the gap between the jack <laughs> and her opponent's bowl when she was, I think she was 16-14 up at the time and her opponents holding three shots. And I think Lucy played pretty much the perfect bowl. And the gap was literally, I think, two millimetres wider than her bowl. And she managed to get straight through the middle of it. And uh, if she'd have managed to pull that shot off in any shape or form, who knows? I mean, it, it, could, have been a, it could have been a gold. But uh, what a great performance it was by Lucy. And she's, um, she, I think she plays herself down a bit. She, she's obviously sort of world-class. She's, she's been away. She's won World Cups in, um, in bowls before. And um, she she won her group quite comfortably. She beat sort of like a two-time uh, gold previous gold medalist, who's still one of the, the legends of the game in in the in the knockouts. And um, yeah, it was just a phenomenal performance. And it was it was so nice to see her reaction to to winning silver. We'll, we'll put it that way. She, it's not a case she lost a final. She won silver, and um, she was just so delighted. And like she said, we she we regard her as a Guernsey girl nowadays. I mean, she moved here sort of about 15 years ago, I suppose, um, after meeting her partner, Matt LeBurr, at a bowls event. So um, uh, it was just great. And um, yeah, it was it was one of those that I thought she had a chance, but you never want to sort of like ink it in, I suppose. And um, she, just, she just played really, really well and thoroughly deserved um, what, she, what her reward was. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, she's just such a fantastic character as well, fantastic personality, um, always quick with a joke. Uh, yeah, she was really was the sort of talk of the, the media zone at the, uh, the Bowls Club in Leamington. Very popular figure there. Um, and yeah, it was, it was, it was odd, wasn't it? Because I guess four years ago, she'd won that World Cup and gone to Gold Coast and sort of bowed out in the group stage. But sort of speaking to her ahead of the games, you know, she'd, she'd sort of reflected on that and thought actually she was sort of bowled out by the time she got to the Commonwealth Games and the kind of the high of winning that World Cup title had, had then been followed by a sort of a bit of a low, you know, in terms of the sort of, you know, kind of getting up for the Commonwealth Games. So actually for her to come here, maybe, I don't want to say under the radar, because, you know, as you say, we, we all knew that she was kind of capable of competing at this level, but certainly with perhaps expectations dampened slightly. And, you know, she said that she hadn't bowled quite as much in the build-up. And yeah, she arrived and the, the momentum built steadily over the course of those few days. Um, and yeah, the the reaction, the sort of, because that's the thing with bowls, isn't it? She's such a big personality and massive personality afterwards. But actually, during the matches, it's such a sort of poker face kind of thing. There's just the occasional fist pump. Um, <laughs> it was the one thing that I, I found 
perhaps strange, I suppose, watching the fight because I've, the only bowls I've ever really seen is local stuff where the, the bowlers just go out on the ring and do whatever they do. It's the amount the Australian opponent, the gold medalist um, Ellen Ryan, used her coach throughout the whole match. She's always in in communication with her coach about what what sort of strategy she should be employing. Lucy never bothered with any of that. I mean, um, Peter Prio was there doing a great job as our team manager, but he was very much, I'll sit at the end of the, of the uh, green and just watch Lucy do her thing. And Lucy got on with it and she played so well and it, it just seemed like it was her against two for a while. It, was sort of like, it, it seemed a bit strange to me that sort of like at, at such a high level, um, one player was, I don't want to say relying on her coach, but using her coach sort of almost every end and then there's Lucy sort of playing on her own and just getting so close to that goal. It, it was a great performance. Yeah, absolutely fantastic week for Lucy up there. And you mentioned Matt LeBerg, Gareth. Um, obviously, they've been through a lot in the last year. So a fantastic moment for them uh, and for her whole family. So congratulations um, to Lucy. That was as good as it got, definitely as far as the bowls was concerned. Um, you know, there was a sort of inkling that maybe her and Rose Ozier, um might sneak through for a, a medal match in the, uh, the, the women's pairs because it, it was quite an unfortunate ending for them it almost wasn't a, it wouldn't have been a case of sneaking through I actually had them almost once they won their final group game I had them down as favourites to be in the knockout stages and then um, the Malaysian duo who I think are world champions they'd gone unbeaten so far in the group and then they then lost to the Norfolk Islands and it was that knocked out Lucy and Rose so it was a bit of a, a shame really because um, I thought the way Lucy had been playing they're, they're, once you get into the knockout stages like she said it, the fun begins and you never know what can happen and it was just a bit unfortunate that um, the shock came in the group, which they had no control over. So there we go. Close to contesting a medal um, there. Let's move on to the boxing where Billy Lupulan was um, within striking distance of a medal as well. Um, he won through his opening bout in pretty convincing fashion uh, against Northern Ireland's Jake Tucker. Um, then he was up against Lewis Richardson of England. Um, he'd had a big support for his opening fight. Um, he faced him in the quarterfinals, knowing a win there um, would have guaranteed him a medal. It wasn't to be on the on the day. Um, Lewis Richardson, kind of slightly taller, rangier boxer, and um, sort of did did plenty really to get through. I don't think Billy will have any complaints that his arm wasn't raised at the end of that bout. But that said, um, he more than held his own uh, in the contest. And you know, on another day, perhaps things might have been slightly different. Um, Billy getting the honour of carrying the flag into the stadium at last night's closing ceremony and uh, what a fantastic sportsman he is and someone, you know, who obviously a lot of people in Guernsey and Alderney are extremely proud of and it was quite um, moving to hear him um, talk about the impact that support had on him um, after he'd lost that um, quarterfinal fight, uh, quite emotional um, in, in sort of talking about how much it meant to him to have the support. I mean, I, I don't think there's a more popular sports person in the islands at the moment than Billy. And, and he, he earns every bit of that support because he's just so genuine and he gives so much. And he, you know, he's, he kind of wears the, the pride for, for Alderney and, and Guernsey on his sleeve, doesn't he? Yeah, he's, he's a great ambassador for, for the Channel Islands, really, Billy. And um, yeah, his performances were, were very impressive, actually. Was, uh, watching the, the live stream of his opening bout against um, the Northern Irish um, boxer it, it seemed to last so um the the waiting for the decision at the end it, it just seemed to last that much longer because you're sort of hoping among hope that uh, blue corner was announced and sure enough eventually it was but um yeah uh, in his quarterfinal it's just Richardson's a very good boxer obviously and he, like you say Tony he had that he had the advantage of his reach and he could just keep Billy and Billy had to try and close the gap and um it, it's always going to be sort of against you when you've got a guy with a, a good jab who's got uh, the extra arm span. So, um, 
it was uh, it was a good performance, no, nonetheless. And uh, yeah, he he deserved to carry the flag into the closing ceremony as well. He, he is such a he's a he's a really open and honest character, and he's. Um, He's, he's still going to hopefully do us proud for years to come. Yeah, exactly. And um, he's done so well, hasn't he, in, in, in the sort of amateur ranks in England over the last year. Um, you know, there was, again, you know, hopes for a medal here. Didn't quite happen. But yeah, fingers crossed that, that he, he keeps going with it all. And, and we see him again in four years' time for another shot because, um, yeah, he, he absolutely belongs at that level. Um, let's just go back to the start of the week and the triathlon. Um, Josh Lewis went there, uh, didn't quite produce the performance perhaps that, that he was capable of or, or you know, or, or had hoped for going into it. But actually speaking to him afterwards, he was pretty satisfied that he'd given absolutely everything he could um, on the day, um, finishing a little way behind his good friend Ollie Turner from Jersey. But it was a, a, a exciting and a kind of an enthusing start to the week just because of the, the amount of Guernsey support um, you know, out on the course for him and, and around the transition zone. And I know um, reading his post on Instagram yesterday that that, that really um, really kind of charged his, uh, his effort uh, around the course in Sutton Park, sort of seeing the flags and, and hearing the cheers. So um, that was a really good start to the week. For our swimmers as well, a week to remember at Sandwell Aquatic Centre, um, lots of island records. Lots of them coming from all Arabia. She really was the star of the show. And um, do we make it seven island records for her over the course of the week? Um, fabulous stuff. Jamie, I know you're, you're watching quite a lot of this. Um, and, and actually, what, the highlights as well really came from the relays because it was fantastic to see Guernsey represented, particularly on that final night in, in both relays at the end of the week. Well, yeah, for context, it's the first time Guernsey has ever been able to compete in the female relays because you need four female swimmers. And we've not had that in the past. And we had an overall squad of eight. But yeah, um, having that big squad and their balance ultimately meant we could compete in their mixed relays as well. Those are automatic Guernsey records. So <laughs> obviously, yeah, exciting stuff. But uh, yeah, but it was an excellent culmination for week with both the men's and the women's squads in the medley relays, each playing to their own strengths, all of them getting involved. And yeah, just doing well and fouls. Yeah, and it was a fantastic atmosphere at Sandwell, a brand new facility, which is now going to be converted, I think over the course of about a year into a kind of community um, centre. Um, but yeah, it was the, the atmosphere was, was incredible on that final night for the relays, as, as, as I suppose those swimming arenas kind of tend to, to create, you know, the sort of closed, kind of compact nature of the roof um, and the relays themselves yeah, but probably as exciting as it gets in terms of the, the support. Um, yeah, so it's fantastic to see them um, kind of happy with their week and, and producing some good swims. I guess it bodes really well for Island Games uh, next summer. Um, clearly, you know, the level of some of these um, teams in the pool is, is incredibly high. Um, a team Australia in particular, I mean, I don't know, I lost count of how many medals, I think it was about 25 golds came in the pool. It's ridiculous. And uh, I mentioned it on the podcast earlier week, but they're set up like... They could have landed someone on the moon, I think. The, the amount of um, coaches and kind of screens and stuff they had at the back of the, the, the media section. Um, they obviously go to every length to make sure that their swimmers are as, as well prepared as they can be. And it, and it pays off. Well, if you spend any time at the Commonwealth Games swimming arena, whichever games it is, if you go to the evening sessions, you will learn the words of advanced <laughs> Australian fair. I remember from Melbourne the amount of times I heard it for, for just being there a couple of evening sessions. It, it's remarkable how the strength and depth the Australians have. But, I mean, for, for Guernsey to get... I mean, the amount of island records was great, but to, to get sort of um, guys in in semi-finals and finals in the evening session, it's, it's a big thing in Commonwealth Games because swimming is so strong there. You've got sort of like the home nations all individually, so you've got England, Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland, all their own teams. 
the strength of Australia is phenomenal. You've got other nations, you know, New Zealand, Canada. Um, so for guy, um, for people like Laura Lacroix and Tatiana Tostevin to make semi-finals and that is it's a really good achievement. And uh, yeah, all Arabia was absolute star really with the amount of records she broke. Yeah, it'd be an amazing experience for the, for them, as you say. The evening sessions. It's a real, like, it's a kind of frenzied atmosphere and uh, it's quite a lot of pressure, I imagine, standing on those on those boards, you know, kind of on your own, um, ready, you know, looking sort of left and right and, and seeing... Uh, Adam Peaty or someone like well, that. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. Some, some star quality there um, and bloody hot in it as well. I was absolutely dripping all week uh, running around there. I just wanted to jump in the pool myself, but um, yeah. I don't think you'd have broken any iron records. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so the swimmers in action pretty much all week. They had a very long, uh, long stay in Birmingham. Um, for the badminton players, they sort of had to wait really for their moment. And uh, the kind of high point of the week for um, Guernsey's badminton team came from Elena Johnson, Chloe Letissier, um, when they finally got on court. I mean, it's slightly unfortunate that, and I don't know why it's organised in the way it is, but they got a buy through their, you know, the, what would have been their first round when they might have met, you know, some players or some some pairs um, who they were, you know, would have would have perhaps fancied beating. As it was, um, they were sort of straight into the round of sixteen to face um, the top Australian pair, and and well beaten in the end. But uh, they were pretty pleased with how they'd started. They were eight seven up in the in the first and 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 competitive with them. Um, players that that Chloe and uh, Elena had said they'd sort of followed from the Gold Coast and you know, who were kind of sort of big stars of their sport. So um, I think just pretty thrilled to be on the same court as them and, and pushing them as hard as they could. And for Elena, of course, uh, her sixth games, um, she's signed off now from, from Commonwealth Games action. But yeah, that is a, that's a remarkable commitment um, you know, to kind of sort of keep with it for, for that long. And, and obviously, you know, an event that's meant an awful lot to her. So um, yeah, congratulations to her on a, on a fantastic career and now obviously heavily involved in coaching. So hopefully she can, uh, she can play a part in getting some more badminton players there in the future. Yeah, well, she's been another great ambassador for, for Guernsey Sport, Tony. She's, um, like you say, six games is an absolutely remarkable achievement. I mean, I know she was very young when she sort of started out. Um, but she's, she's got, it shows the level Elena's been at, that she goes straight from the Commonwealth Games to represent England in the Masters tournament um, out in Europe. So, um, no, she did, and like you say, it, it's a luck of the draw thing that when you go to the Commonwealth Games, you want to be able to say, I went there and, and beat someone and what have you, but the bye didn't really help them, I suppose, to get to play against um, the Australian pair, players of that calibre is just is fantastic for them. It just would have been nice if they could have had something beforehand than just sort of like turning up on a Friday evening for their first match and you're, you're playing these absolute sort of superstars of the, of the game. So um, it's just the way it worked out. But um, no, it would have been a great experience for them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, right. I think the final sport just to kind of round up is the athletics. Uh, I got to quite a few of the sessions at Alexander Stadium and I have to say the atmosphere was unbelievable there at times and the support from the um as i say the you know the sort of west midlands crowd but there would have been people who've come i'm sure from across the country to see it was just phenomenal like um it was really reassuring to turn up for the first morning of athletics and see the stadium pretty much full and it was pretty much full for every session um throughout the week morning and night which is um which is really quite impressive and it does sort of make you wonder and i know a couple of the athletes mentioned it's like you know because athletics does have a habit of doing itself down at times um, but saying like you know people do want to see this and it, you know there's actually in terms of sort of sporting occasions just to go and go and see in, in the flesh yeah it, it's it's such an exciting and kind of varied program you get you know it, it's always kind of keeping your interest and um, yeah kind of hopefully that will be a big moment for athletics uh, in England 
and, and you know there were some big moments on the track from from some of the home nations as well Irish McColgan um sort of many people's sort of highlight of the week um there winning in the women's 10,000 meters but there were some fabulous performances um across the board from a Guernsey perspective it was, until Alla there was this kind of sense that actually was like oh you know, Joe Chadwick had got there not in great shape. Cam Chalmers wasn't in great shape. Alla, then we found out, yeah, had had COVID. So he thought, oh, well, this is going to turn into a bit of a disappointing week. As it was, as we've mentioned, it was anything but. Um, but yeah, let's just mention some of the other, the other athletes. Cam, as we say, had had a tough season. Hopefully he can get back to this level and, and, and sort of keep going with it and, and kind of hit the heights that, that, um, that we think he can. Jamie, I know you wanted to mention Joe Chadwick because after that stellar indoor season, he's had a really tough time of it with injuries. But he got to the start line um, and he set a new island record in 100 metres. Yeah, there was a lot of uncertainty going to the games of Joe. Um, he had not competed since February. He seemed to have some quite serious injury issues. I think it was a race just to get him to the start line. So the fact that he lined up first race in almost six months, just goes and smashes the Guernsey 100 metre records. It's a blue ribbon distance. And I know it's not, I know 10.60 is not the sort of performance he wanted and is happy with. I mean, he's rarely happy with performances. <laughs> but yeah, from a spectator point of view, I was thrilled to see him achieve that. And you also know it's only the starting point. If you can string some good training together, we could see him taking other three temps off that, I think, without too much hassle. <laughs> yeah, he's another one. He's a great character, really uh, interesting to talk to. As you say, you know, not, not happy, but you could you could see actually deep down, he, he was kind of having come off the track in that, that 100 metre um, heat, that he was struggling to contain the kind of the buzz that, that he was feeling. Uh, he was really kind of, I think, bowled over by what it was like. Um, racing in that atmosphere and on that that stage, and actually, it's quite funny. He posted a photo of himself, uh, you know, on that race um, on Instagram with the caption "Standard Low Key Season Opener" <laughs> <laughs> in front of thirty thousand people. Um, so that that was pretty amazing. Uh, Abby Galpin as well, obviously on the women's side, another sprinter and another uh, woman who's made a, a huge mark in the sport locally in the last couple of years. Guernsey's fastest woman ever, um, and she was uh, another athlete who was absolutely blown away by what it was like to race in that environment. Well, you mentioned the injuries. Abby was another athlete who didn't have the ideal build-up because, yeah, she was injured. But, yeah, she seems like she genuinely got a lot out of the experience of the games and she made the semi-final, which at the end of the day was our goal. So, yeah, she can look back on that and say she achieved her target and had decent games. And it all bodes incredibly well for the Island Games next summer on the track. That is going to be... Really exciting. If all of those guys can um, can get there and in good shape, it could be pretty spectacular. I think just wanted to pay tribute, really, I guess, you know, off the back of Alice's success to, to just the Guernsey Athletics and, and the hard work that's gone in behind the scenes there because um, there's such an amazing kind of strong sort of team culture around it and ethos at the sort of, um, particularly with those kind of elite performers. Um, it's a bit of a gift that to have athletes like Alla and Cam come along and to, to, you sort of, you need natural talent to get you know to, to sort of I suppose you know get towards these these top level medals but but actually the way the club is organized and the work that's gone in behind the scenes there um yeah it's a, it's a real credit to the island and, and the fact that they've you know they've played a big part in, in getting them to the to the stage they're at I think they do deserve a lot of credit yeah I mean the great thing I think about the Guernsey Athletics Tony is the fact we've had elite performers for several years and so many of those elite performers once their sort of day is done on the track they then go into the coaching role as well I mean Tom Drews is doing a great job as development officer and you've got the likes of Lee Merrion and Dale Garland around who've obviously been Olympians and they're now passing on their knowledge and wisdom to, to the next generation so 
you just think that the production line is going to be strong for many, many years to come. So that's uh, fingers crossed. Um, um, we'll be, it won't be the, the, I mean, this was the first athletics medal we've had at Commonwealth Games. Fingers crossed we'll be getting quite a few more in the next few games. Yeah, it's uh, exciting. And the next one, of course, is in Victoria. Back to Australia in four years' time, or three years, seven months, as it is. Um, and that's going to be a slightly different format. In Birmingham, it was fairly spread out. You know, like the cycling went to Wolverhampton and Warwick and there's bowls and Leamington and stuff. But, uh, but in Australia... In comparison to scale, <laughs> that'll be nothing compared to Victoria. Yeah. Victoria is absolutely huge. <laughs> Having been to the Melbourne Games, I know how big it is. I mean, Melbourne's big enough in itself, but the state of Victoria is a massive, massive place. But um, it's a great place to go to, too. So I'm sure a lot of people will be... Um, preparing and training hard to try and get there. Yeah. I'm sure lots of the athletes who are at Birmingham will be, uh, be thinking about that already and, and hopefully there'll be a few others as well who think, having seen what they've seen over the last 10 days, that, that they want a piece of that action. Um, we, we sort of knew as a home games that it was going to be a, a brilliant atmosphere. I, I, so I was kind of slightly taken aback just by how good it was. Um, you know, the, sort of ahead of the games, you sort of read some of the coverage and, and obviously it's been such a condensed calendar in terms of international sport because of COVID that, you know, not all of the big names were there, you know, the likes of sort of Dina Asher-Smith sort of pulled out and, and, and a couple of others as well. And so there was, there was sort of some, I don't know, in some quarters, you know, the sort of Commonwealth Games were being sort of talked down as, a, as an event. But I don't know if you guys got the sense of this kind of from here, but certainly on the ground, it seemed like it couldn't have gone any better. Um, the atmosphere, the crowds, the support, the volunteers were all absolutely phenomenal. There was there's, a, there's just like a just such a good feeling around it, a, a wholesomeness to it that it's sort of difficult. I don't know. I can't think of sort of where else you'd find that kind of energy and that um, uh, the sort of special moments. And and Birmingham as a host city was just absolutely brilliant. And there was quite a few comparisons made over the course of the week to London 2012. I know we had Glasgow, um, you know, between those two. But in terms of some of the atmospheres and, and whatnot, it was it was pretty special, um, has to be said. I guess actually as well, you know, not not only that the the home support from from the area in Birmingham was, was stunning, but it sort of makes sense Birmingham being in the middle of the country that it kind of allows a lot of people probably to get in and see see the sport. Um, you know, the transport links are really good, so sort of it could be the start of a quite an exciting sort of sporting future for that city and that region. I know there's already some people chatting about a bid for the Olympics. So. Well, I certainly heard that the, um, perhaps the World Championships Athletics could go to Alexander Stadium, which it really was a, a it, it sort of surpassed my expectations. So even through television, you sort of tell how, how great the atmosphere was there. But yeah, like you say, it's, it's one of those things. Sport is great to bring people together and sort of events like this do it really well. But you could tell just by watching the organisation in, in Birmingham was spot on. Just Everything seemed to run really well. And that just helps um, build the atmosphere as well. But um, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's fantastic to just to be able to have sort of 11 days of, sort of like non-stop sport. And you know, sort of like watching live streams on on the computer screen in the office, going home, turning on BBC One to watch more live sport. And it's, uh, yeah, perhaps we've had our fill of it for a couple of weeks now, <laughs> but um, it certainly it seemed a great event from even from afar. Yeah, very enjoyable. Um, yeah, privileged really to be there. Thanks for looking back at it all uh, with me. Um, I mean, it's not exactly like it's been a quiet time here, is it? So a lot's going on. We'll be back on Thursday um, with our regular Thursday sport podcast, uh, talking cricket, football, and lots more besides. So um, stay tuned for that. In the meantime, 
if you're not already, do give us a follow all over social media at GSY Press Sport on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And pick up a paper six days a week for the very best and most comprehensive local sports coverage you're going to get in the island. Yeah, it's been fun. Uh, we'll see you next time. Cheers, Tony. Cheers, Tony. Thank you.